I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I'm Regina. And I'm Christine. Today, we have someone who helped set the tone of our podcast. We gave her an idea, and she brought it to life. And we are so excited to be talking with her today because she has a very special place in both of our hearts. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like sitting right across from her, and then we're trying not to make eye contact because it just made it really awkward. I know. I'm just admiring her through FaceTime. So that's welcome, Mimi Chow. Yay! I'm so Mimi. glad to be here. Thank you, guys. I mean, <laughs> it's a no-brainer that we have Mimi Chow. A lot of you guys have commented about our perfectly imperfect logo and the artwork, and that is all the magic of Mimi. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was so amazing. It was so fun, and I can't believe that was a year ago now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so wow. crazy. I'm so proud of what you guys have built. You have like so many good episodes. Yeah. Yay. Well, and now it's like come full circle. Yeah, <laughs> I know. If you can't tell already, my voice is already getting higher and more cutesy. I tend to reflect <laughs> the sound of people that I'm around. So when I'm around Regina, it's all like sarcasm. Like, oh my God, you're the worst. But with Mimi, I mean, you guys can hear she's very magical and light. It's a beacon of all hope and positivity. Like dark and emo too, though. (laughs) Mimi's like, I have edge. I have edge. (laughs) Hip, guys. (laughs) Yeah, so when I first met Mimi, at least five, six years, right? Yeah. At least. She's always had this dreamy, like, state for me. And we'll get into all of this, but she used to be a lawyer. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you are the most magical lawyer that I have ever (laughs) met, you know? Yeah, I remember when I was, like, in high school and college, I would always look up to Mimi. Like, you just always were so put together and so, like, eloquent. And I always really admired you. This is the first time I'm hearing this. I don't know how to react. I'm one of those people who's terrible. Wow, that's so touching. (laughs) I had no idea. Well, there's more coming. Okay. (laughs) It started with I love you. So now I have to, like, really prove it. What I really appreciate the most about Mimi is her honesty. So for someone that seems so light and dreamy, like, and you see that reflected in your art, mm-hmm. there's another side of you that I feel adds so much complexity to you. And I love the ghetto side to you. <laughs> <laughs> A yeah. little thug in there. <laughs> yeah. That mm. cute thug life yeah. type of thing. So getting into our topic for this episode, Mimi is the perfect person to get into this where we want to explore how do you really authentically stay positive in your life given how jarring reality can be. So since Mimi illustrates beautiful things for a living, she lives, I feel like, and creates a fantasy world. But then in reality, our life isn't as fantastical as that. So in recognizing that difference, how do we all stay positive, like authentically positive versus suppressing Mm. negative emotions? And I feel like that's something I've definitely been through. And I trick myself into thinking like, no, 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 think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, ignore the bad ones. But what I realize is it just gets stuffed somewhere else. And the bits of resentment and anger come out in the most unexpected moment. I'm like, whoa, Mm -hmm. shoot, I shouldn't have said that, you know? 
know? I wrote this down for Mimi and I do want to say it because I was like, to me, she represents the space right before you're waking up from a beautiful <laughs> dream when you don't quite know if you're dreaming or awake. Neverland. <laughs> yeah, it is. I totally thought of that. It's like that lovely, hazy, wonderful feeling. But then when you wake up, you're like, oh crap, this is my reality. <laughs> Trump's still president. Yeah. <laughs> Trump is still president. So yeah, let's jump right into it. I would like to know for both of you guys, how do you guys see the world? Are you guys an optimist, a realist? Do you see the world as the glass half full or half empty? I mean, it was so funny when you told me about what this podcast episode theme was going to be about. And you're like, is it about being authentically happy and dealing with all those feelings that you've suppressed? So I was like, is Christine trying to subtly tell me something <laughs> about my issues through inviting me onto your podcast? But it's, it's actually something that really resonates with me. I totally understand that feeling of always feeling like you need to be happy 100% of the time or else something is wrong with you and like trying to ignore or... I guess almost devalue like the, the darker sides of things and learning coming full circle and realizing that those things are just as important to deal with too. And so for me, I would describe myself as a realistic optimist, but the kind of classic glass half full, half empty thing where I'm at now, I always think of it as like, I acknowledge both sides. Like I acknowledge that it's half full and it's half empty, but I appreciate that it's half full. Good answer. <laughs> I know. I know. I definitely agree with Mimi. I think I'm a little more towards the optimist side, but I do say that I have like a dash of realism because I will admit like I'm optimistic to the point where I do get disappointed really easily, but then I feel like my realism kind of brings me back and then I get over it a lot quicker because of that. Right. And I feel like this balance between like optimism and realism, I feel like that's where a lot of our humor comes from, right? Like yeah. <laughs> kind of a little self-deprecating, but like still optimistic that good things will come. Yeah, totally. I think overall my personality is more I want to be happy and I, that's where I feel the most at home. Mm -hmm. but just learning that I don't need to be there all the time was uh, like kind of something I've learned in the past few years yeah, yeah yeah I think getting older is where I realized you can't just say I'm positive you can't just say I'm happy yeah and there's gray area yeah yeah definitely mm -hmm. and I as much as I wanted things to be painted black or white it's just interesting because sometimes in certain aspects of my life I'm an optimist other mm -hmm. aspects I'm a yeah. realist I'm more cynical yeah. so relationships mm -hmm. was something where I was definitely cynical relationships as in romantic relationships mm. when we came to like jobs career friendships yeah I'm totally an optimist yeah. I'm just like yay the sky's a limit and then I, that's usually when I get really disappointed oh man that really accurately describes where I'm at right now really? yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way but yeah I'm definitely there yeah I think both of you are such positive and like optimistic people at heart and it's more maybe like through experience and things like you'd start to want to hold yourself back a little bit to protect yourself yeah. but you guys are both definitely like positive people I think that's the part where going through such negative experiences that's what I realized I am internally hopeful mm -hmm. I do have that inside me that's more true to me because yeah. I've been on the opposite end where it's completely negative mm -hmm. the world just tore me apart I'm just like I hate everything I hate all this and I became like a person that I didn't like mm. and then I realized that's not me so yeah. I think yeah it is the power of recognizing what you're feeling and again that suppressed emotion mm. that you have to confront in order to guide you to getting the answers of who you are yeah so for you guys where did this optimistic realist come from like were you always like this as a child or growing up is through experiences and age that has guided you to this mentality 
I think for me, I just realized how much I enjoyed making people laugh, like how uplifted that made them feel and how good that made me feel. And so it was this like positive cycle of me being like, oh, I really like making people laugh. I really like making people feel happy. And so I should be happy constantly. Mm. And so I think that that's kind of what always drove my optimism. Did you ever feel burdened by that? Um, I think so. Growing up, especially as like an only child, I felt like there was a lot of pressure where I needed to do everything and I needed to make everyone happy because everybody relied on me. But yeah, it was a bit of a burden. Um, I don't think I realized it though until I was older. Mm. And then I realized like, oh, I don't allow myself the chance to be sad. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you think that's not part of your identity. Like you're only allowed to be happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I feel like I didn't want to associate myself with that so that it was like, bad emotions, bad, go away. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're getting positive reinforcement mm -hmm. and it's a positive result by mm -hmm. being positive. Right. So obviously it makes sense that if you flip that as the reverse, you'll just get negative results. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true. Mm -hmm. We're all driven by what can give us that positive reinforcement, even if it's in a negative way. Yeah. Um, is what I've learned. But we'll right. get into that. How about you, Mimi? I think I was just always naturally positive because uh, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. And so it was funny because I was like, wow, this podcast prep is really making me dig deep into things I haven't thought about for a long time. But for yeah, me, Christy's yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, let's dig it all out. <laughs> and yeah, there was a lot of unhappiness going on in my family when I was growing up. And I was still just naturally more on the positive side. I was never a Pollyanna. I don't think I was never like, everything's beautiful and wonderful and like super hyped about that. But in the sense that I always thought that like good should win and like the positive side of things is where we should end up at and trying to figure out how I could view my life in a way that let me feel that way despite whatever negative things were going on in the day-to-day. -day. Mm. Yeah. In your parents' divorce, did you feel upset like obviously there were moments of feeling like being put in the middle yeah i mean that's what was so interesting when you made this topic about suppression mm -hmm. for me it was only recently that i've started to realize like maybe i was suppressing feelings i never like kind of acted out like stereotypically like divorced kids do and i didn't like blame anybody I was fine and like had friends, like did well in school. Then I was like, oh, like, I guess it didn't affect me at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I feel like as soon as like I, I came out of adulthood and said that, they're like, no, it's affecting you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Now I have to go back and like figure out in what way. And I realized like part of it was not really letting myself be upset. I always felt like I needed to be strong maybe because – I don't remember going through a phase where I was comforted. It was like straight to like my parents kind of like fighting over our loyalty uh -huh. and feeling like I was caught in the middle and feeling like I had to appease both sides all the time. And so there was almost no room for me, I felt, to be upset. Mm -hmm. um, instead, it was just straight to like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, I just want everyone to be fine. Understanding that kind of made me see like, oh, I never really understood how to express when I am upset. You know, like mm -hmm. when I when something bothers me, it's more like, how can I just go on to the part where I don't feel upset anymore mm -hmm. instead of being like able to talk through those things and talk through it with the people that are making upset, not just talk about it with somebody else. Yeah. Right. So yeah. all of those things kind of came full circle for me like much later because my parents got divorced when I was six, you know, and I probably didn't really deal with it until like mid-20s. Mm. I just thought that was really interesting that, you know, it could happen even when you're not consciously doing it. I didn't think like, I'm such an unhappy child, but I'm going to pretend to be happy. I really thought everything's fine. Like I'm fine. 
Like, I remember always talking about, like, I'm glad you guys got divorced because or else, like, you guys were just fighting at home all the time. I guess, yeah, never really had to fully confront the way it actually upset me. Mm. Yeah. Well, you keep using the word fine. What did it mean to you to not be fine? What did that look like in your head? Um, I guess to feel sad and to feel angry all the time, to like lash out or to blame my parents or like, why aren't you guys together? Or like, why didn't it work out? Or purposefully like perform poorly at school or like do drugs or like do bad things. None of those things happened. So like, I guess it didn't really affect me. Mm -hmm. Did you feel, and I say this because my cousins also grew up in a broken family. Mm I realize now talking to them as adults, they had a really huge thing about not playing into the stigma of being mm. from a divorced family. And they make it a point to not let people pity them or to mm. seem like they're weak or to look down on them, like as if not having both parents means that there's something less than right. about you. And I never thought about it that yeah. way. And I don't know if like you can relate to that feeling. I definitely can agree with the sentiment of you wanting to be strong. And maybe that is because like when things are falling apart around you, especially like, the adults in your life, yeah, you feel like you need to step up and you need to be strong. And that's going to come from you and not depend on somebody else to give that to you. Yeah. yeah. I can see how that relates to having a sense of control mm-hmm. because everything around you is very chaotic. Mm-hmm. So the one thing you can control is yourself and your actions And what you were saying that you went through growing up is what I realized as an adult is, yeah, your parents aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, you have to act like the adult. Oh, it's definitely been there. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's a very shocking reality because you grow up most of your life like mom and dad would know. I was just like, but then you get to a certain point in your life, you're like, wait, you don't know what the heck you're talking about at all. <laughs> Sometimes you think, wow, when they were going through that, they're my age or like not that yeah. much older than me right now. Yeah. yeah, that's always crazy. I'm almost at the age that my mom was when she moved to the US. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this weird balance of like trying to understand your parents. You know, they're older, they have more experience. Obviously, they love you, they want the best for you. But then also being like, wait, I'm an adult too. And there are certain things that I'm going to know better than you. And yeah. that blew my mind. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it was initially something that I rejected Mm because I was like, I don't want that responsibility. Mm. I don't want to be the adult in this like relationship with my parents. Mm. But now I mean, through the depression and through all the ups and downs that we've been through, I just realized I don't have to take that responsibility because as much as I may not agree with their decisions, they're also responsible for their decisions, Mm -hmm. right? And I think there was that pressure to kind of keep things together or try to prevent them from making such like irresponsible choices sometimes that I always felt like I had to try to minimize the impact or try to like control it in some way. And then that resulted in me suppressing a lot of my feelings because I'm like, oh, it's for the good of the family. It's for the Mm -hmm. good of you, mom or dad, right? And then that's where I realized a lot of like anger and resentment Mm -hmm. started to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if at that age, (laughs) were you in a way channeling that to be able to move on in your own life while your parents are arguing and having you choose sides. I feel like I just don't like being in that space of negativity and resentment and bitterness. And so I always just try to get out of that situation as quickly as I could. I don't think it was necessarily escapist or um, in denial. It was just more like why and always seeing that there's like I see the brighter side of something and like I want to go there, you know, (laughs) and 
in the meantime, you can't escape the situation that you're in. So figuring out how you can best get through it without rocking the boat too much. And maybe that's could be both a strength and a weakness that I've kind of gone through life trying to figure that balance out. Whereas maybe I just needed to overturn the boat at some point, or like maybe I needed to figure out what that was. Mm -hmm. But at least in the family situation was more, yeah, like, how can I get through this while upsetting the least amount of people and get to fine and get to we're all happy like as quickly as possible mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so then you mentioned that you went through that when you're really young your mm -hmm. parents divorced but then you actually didn't become self-aware of it until as an adult yeah so what was that moment for you that made you like oh wait I think it was gradual but it probably really came to a head in my mid-20s I kind of the same time was doing the career change and so that was a big moment of self-reflection and like what was important to me like why did I hold these values that I grew up with and what is it do I really want to do with my life do you want to give a little bit of context to your career change yeah sure so growing up I've loved drawing I love like make-believe and like being creative but you know kind of being in the traditional Asian family <laughs> very much discouraged from that my dad was you know you can do that as a hobby but that's not viable and I didn't know anybody in the creative field, so I bought into that, and I went to UCSD, which also didn't have a very strong arts program, mm -hmm. and I remember thinking I was, like, going against the grain by going into law, because <laughs> I'm going to rebel and go to law school. <laughs> I literally had to convince my dad that I wanted to do law instead of medicine, and I mean, I took this class at Marshall, and I really liked it. It was about justice, and it was about, like, all the Supreme Court cases, and I was like, oh, I, like, love how law makes a difference in people's lives. It, like, really touches every aspect of society, and it reflects cultural perception and psychology and then I you know went through law school and I ended up in the corporate world I did corporate law and just felt very unfulfilled um, I think a big part of it was just I felt there was not the type of creativity that I realized was innate and part of me and something that I needed to feel fulfilled and then also there was just like no control over your life it would be Friday night and I wouldn't know whether my weekend was free or not because work would just come up mm -hmm. and you had to do it mm -hmm. and so kind of those two things combined made me realize like I'm at the age where I can selfishly take that move of figuring out what do I really want to do and at the time I was really dramatic I was like it's now or never but I don't want you to think like if you're my age right now it's not it's too late it's not it's just me at the time right and so I gave myself the space to figure out what that was I went to go work at a design agency first on the business side and then I was it was like Goldilocks like this bed is still not creative. Yeah. <laughs> I started drawing again and that kind of brings in the other side of things I was going through this really bad breakup right around the same time where it was the first time I really experienced betrayal from someone that I really deeply trusted and I hadn't ever experienced that before. I'd never felt that feeling of being broken hearted and so torn apart in that capacity mm. and kind of going through that at the same time that I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my career really forced me to start over. That's why I think this topic is so good because it's like I'm happy and like positive, not because there's nothing bad in my life, but despite the bad or sadness in my life, I, I fully acknowledge all of those things that made me sad at certain periods or difficult times that I went through but I firmly firmly believe that it shaped me into who I was today mm -hmm. and that it made me a better person it made me more empathetic um, I really got to understand what that felt like and I don't discount the value of that and so as I like kind of gradually found myself it was kind of coming from both sides like both in my career understanding like oh that thing that I grew up with or that feeling I had wasn't 
just a childish, you know, interest. It was who I was. Like, I like to make things that explore themes of wonder and of commentary, but through make-believe worlds. Like, that's、mm-hmm. always been something that I'm really drawn to. Things that make people think a little bit deeper without even realizing. Sometimes, like when you read certain children's books, you can read it like as a kid and be like, "Oh, this is just about a wizard and his friends." And then you read a zillow, you're like, "Oh my god, this is about like good versus evil and the gray areas and how we're tormented and finding ourselves," you know. <laughs> And I love that. That's like something that really drives me. And at the same time, like I think it was so beneficial to go through that period of dealing with difficult feelings. Because I, I mean, of course, we've been through challenging times before, but I felt like my life was kind of like smooth waters before that, or like I made them smooth waters. And finally, it was like, okay, this is something where I can't pretend it's smooth waters. And、yeah. I feel like to be that dog in like that burning room where I'm like, everything's fine, you know. <laughs> Okay, things are on fire. Like, you know, I'm gonna die. And, yeah. yeah, and so it was. I think a really good experience for me to deal with difficult feelings. How do I process that? How do I communicate that? And kind of going back full circle and be like realizing, like, oh, I didn't deal with that when I was younger. I didn't know how to express those feelings. I would say that my work and that whole experience kind of. Synergized, where I, I know, like my work comes across very like magical and happy and positive, and it definitely is, and that's what I want to bring to other people. But I also found a lot of expression through art for the darker sides too. Things that I didn't know how to express in words or didn't feel comfortable saying out loud. Maybe it was like I need to be strong or I need to be fine as quickly as possible. At last, I had a, a medium where I could feel safe in expressing it. So if I drew something that was like a little bit ambiguously dark or whatever, then it was my way of releasing that. And at least for me personally, I always felt that. Once I got something out onto paper or visualized it, it almost channeled out of me,、mm-hmm. and so for me, it really was a really good therapeutic and self-reflective exercise.、Mm, yeah. Wow! And just hearing you through your journey, your art. Makes so much sense, and it's so cool to me because I'm so not artistic. <laughs> like I think everyone's artistic and everyone's creative in some way. It's just a matter of figuring out your medium. That's, That's my PSA. I loved your photos where you take it of like an actual scenery, and then you add like. The world that's in your head to it,、yeah. like kind of that juxtaposition of like whimsical, but like in a real setting. Like I think that that's very reflective of the type of person that you are, and I definitely relate to it a lot too. Where I also really like to look at the good and just suppress the bad. I was exactly like you growing up. I just I didn't even realize I was doing it,、mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how detrimental that would be for my own sanity and for the relationships around me until I would have these like explosive arguments with my friends where I'm really really upset with them, and they're like, "Wait, where is this coming、yeah. from? Like, we've never even discussed this, and now it's like you know guts everywhere. Like, <laughs> how did we get from、yeah. zero to you know a hundred so quickly? Because、uh, you want to move on in your own life." And like not wallow in that feeling, but also need to acknowledge what's going on、yeah. and, like, and what it means to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in your art, you do have this theme of light and dark. Yeah. And even though I'll be like, "Oh my god, this is so cute," and you're like, "Well, I have a dark version." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but it's so funny because I think before I was drawing very like happy things, but starting to see that. Dark side, and it's, it's. I don't want to get too into color theory and stuff, but it really is even in practice. Like 
the darkness does bring out the light more. And mm. I think it's such a metaphor. Once you experience the hard things, if you can see it in the right way, it really makes the good sides or the good parts of your life so much richer. I don't think happiness needs to be absence of sadness. It could be like happiness is richer because of the sad things or difficult things in my life. Mm. Oh my God. That's, that's so such, cheap. <laughs> that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. When the Harvey Weinstein news was going around, of course, it was like really hard and I think for a lot of women like we've all been through some I think many of us have been through some form of assault and just seeing like how many stories were out there and like how horrific it was and widespread and also just how that it was normal and Mm -hmm. it wasn't a shock that because this is so new it was more sad that it's only now that people are able to talk about it and Mm -hmm. that there's actually some consequences to these things and I agree with the observations that this was a reaction to kind of Donald Trump and like our feeling of helplessness there like we're starting to become strong in other ways one way to look at it is to wallow in how sad it is and how upsetting it is and like oh my god like I don't want to raise a daughter in this world but on the other hand you know the other way to look at it is like this is actually progress like this stuff has always existed and the fact that we're talking about it and it's coming to light now is amazing in a way like sad but amazing so I did another journal entry because that was how I deal with things (laughs) just like wow it's like so heartbreaking but also really beautiful that there's this dark period that we go through to get us into the part that's light so I think I wrote something like you know I don't have to like the dark but I can appreciate it for showing me the light and that's how I feel about any sort of negative experience like I don't want to run away from it but I also don't want to wallow in it like how is this leading into the next step of something positive and like progress because I really believe that's the cycle of life if we look at this exact moment right now with like Trump and like shootings we can feel very sad but if we look at the overall arch of history like we're actually way more progressive than we have been at any other point in time and if we just keep focusing on that and letting the parts that we disagree with kind of drive us to keep pushing for the change that we believe in, then I think we can remain optimistic even in these really difficult or challenging times. So how do we elect you for president? <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> Mimi for 2020! <laughs> Yay! Scandal in the DNC. <laughs> no, it's so crazy because actually when I was going through the Trump election, it was very like black and white for me. I felt very sad. And so I, I felt lost. I felt... Like, I can't believe this happened. It's not that this is like, obviously, guys, just look at it this way. No, I get Mm -hmm. that feeling of feeling really sad and really confused and really, like, torn inside. And I think this is just more of um, how can we use this period productively? And it has been amazing to see, like, Trump's effect on the progressive side, like, because of his presence, which we all don't like. Yeah. It's also led to some really amazing things, and that's so exciting, like, things that didn't happen under Obama as much as I loved him. Yeah. I remember walking through the streets and seeing the Women's March, and Mm, it was incredible. Yeah, the streets were completely packed. Everybody was out there for a good cause. I mean, I think that everything you have to say about this, being able to understand darkness in order to see the light of things, like, that is... That's very powerful to think about, and that's a very powerful mindset to have because I think for me growing up, I didn't allow myself to be sad. Yeah, same. I think that being like a first-gen Asian-American too played into it, where if I was sad about anything or upset, my mom would be like, why? (laughs) What do you have to be upset about? Why are you crying? Like, I don't understand. Like, you shouldn't be crying. You shouldn't be having these feelings. And I think that when I was sad, 
it was almost like a guilt to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, how can I have this like life that my parents made so many sacrifices for? How do I have the audacity to be sad? Right. And I think that that was yeah. something that like I had a really hard time dealing with. And like that also pertained to more suppressing and more like ignoring. <laughs> but I do agree with you that in this political climate, it's really hard to ignore it. I think that for so long, it was really easy for us to stand back and just be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, there's a war going on. The war was has been going on since like, what, 2001, 2002? And we're just like, eh, yeah, it, it's happening, yeah. but I don't see it. So it's okay. And now it's getting harder and harder. And I think it's also part of us growing up that we're like, no, I can't stand for this. And like, I need to do something about it. Yeah. Okay. Like for me, I've always been really extreme and dramatic. Mm. That's just <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. So I've always been either really happy or really upset. Mm. And I have been trying to find that medium ground where yeah. I don't dwell in the unhappiness. But I also don't, like, it's just like, I'm just going to think and ignore everything and be positive, right? So the negative feelings to me just equated to, I needed to be in that. Like, I couldn't let things go because I was punishing myself. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of life choices that weren't great Mm -hmm. at the time, right? But looking back, they're all part of my journey. But the time when I had to deal with the consequences of it, then it would just be full on like either it's fighting with my parents or that I think I mentioned before that I actually got kicked out of the high school I was Mm. at you know I I made choices like I did drugs in high school and I had something to prove but then when all the chips fell and I had to deal with reality Mm -hmm. it was in a way where I couldn't let it go because I think looking back now subconsciously I was like you did this to yourself so then you must live in this pain Mm. and that became what drove me to succeed and I feel like a lot of people do that where they use that pain or the association of that negative memory to try to drive them to be positive, right? Mm. To That is what makes them like, I'm never going to go there again. Yeah. So therefore, I cannot deviate from this path. Right. But that is in a way, suppressing all your feelings and your emotions because you're not correctly dealing with the root of the issue. So you're going straight to like, okay, I'm positive. So that's actually an inauthentic way to be positive even though what you're doing could be positive you're making positive decisions you're being a positive person but what is driving that is through a negative association Mm. so that is something I've learned now through my many ups and downs and that suppression definitely led to my depression Mm. that's the thing about suppression it affects all areas of your life Mm -hmm. two ways that you don't even know how it correlates. So suppressing a bad memory from childhood or if you just had a fight with your parents, that can come out at your work Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And I didn't think that one really had to do with the other because I thought I could keep things separate. What I was going through with my dad and my family, I'm not going to bring that into work. And what was going on at work with my friends, I'm not going to bring that into my family. But what I realize is I'm me. Yeah, you're a person. Yeah. And as much as, as I try to control it, I realized I was just suppressing it further. Mm-hmm. My question to you guys is how do you know when you fully processed a suppressed memory or feeling? I think when I've confronted the person, which takes a really long time because I think that 
I still have the tendency to be like, oh, this kind of bothers me, but is it worth bringing it up? Am I being petty? And I'm like really, really trying to work on trying to differentiate like, oh, am I upset for the right reason or am I upset because I'm just in a bad mood or I'm having a bad day? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, even you and I have gone through that in our own friendship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's actually been a few conversations that we've had where I think both of us come in with that like fiery yeah <laughs> let it go so many times yeah. you know but now we have to talk about it because right. we both are coming with attitude there actually have been conversations on the phone where I actually had to say wait 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 let's take it down a couple of notches because it's not addressing the issue mm-hmm. I know that we both feel a certain way but that's not really what we're talking about so I think in those conversations realize how much we have suppressed yeah yeah <laughs> and a lot of it is because like oh I don't want to hurt the other person I don't want to make it seem like you know I'm that type of person to make such a big deal out of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's not really necessarily like a really deep, dark place, right? Not all the suppressed feelings are like that. But then after a while, when it really starts to take a toll on what I notice for me is like when I start getting snippy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't sugarcoat things. And what I like to tell myself by justifying that is like, well, that's who I am when I'm really close with someone. Mm-hmm. I just am unfiltered. Mm-hmm. But then what I'm not mm-hmm. acknowledging is that if I really care about someone yeah. in that degree, then I really should account for their feelings and how yeah. I'm making them feel. It's not justified for me to just say whatever I want to say just because I think we're close. Right. But then that's where the anger and resentment comes out. Mm-hmm. And I think that we also had like a lot of projected feelings too, where maybe I was like super stressed about work. And it's just like this back and forth where it's like suppressed feelings from other realms that trigger the arguments that you end up having, even though the argument that you end up having may not necessarily even be the thing that you're upset about in the first place. Basically, I feel like this would turn into an excellent couples yeah. conflict resolution <laughs> podcast. I know. Episode. I know. Christine. <laughs> maybe is now our counselor. <laughs> She is yes, our so therapist. you guys need to understand that it might not be about you. <laughs> I feel like, especially nowadays more so, we're so conditioned to view the world just from our perspective. Mm-hmm. So you don't really consider other people outside of your yeah. world. I know it is really hard to not take things personally. Yeah. Like that actually is an extra step to not yeah, do that. totally. It's not our natural reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about you, Mimi? When do you know if you fully processed a feeling? I mean, to be honest, that's something I'm still figuring out. Like, I always just try to process it as best as I can. Like, one thing I've learned and kind of something that you started talking about earlier was, like, forgiving myself, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't ever think of that as a step. I was always like, if I have empathy and compassion, then I can, like, forgive others. And that was, like, a step for me and something that, you know, gave me a lot of peace and happiness. But I realized, like, there's also the step of forgiving yourself. And I think that's kind of where I would bring it in for this topic is that when I'm dealing with suppressed feelings, I try to acknowledge what it is and why it's making me feel that way. A new step is just being like, that's okay that you feel that way. Whereas before I felt bad that I would feel that way. I was like, I don't like feeling this resentment or I don't like feeling bad about myself. Like I wanted to run away from that feeling. Whereas now it's more like first saying like, that's okay that you feel that way. Like let's figure out why. And then how can we turn that into something useful because I think suffering is definitely a part of life I think negative events and darkness are all things that you need to go through and I think what I love about the idea of alchemy is that I don't think it's about like turning coal into gold I think it's turning like experiences like that into things that benefit your life so for me like dealing with the things that hurt me or the things that bother me and trying to figure out like how can I turn into something 
positive or beneficial down the road, even if not right now, like acknowledging like this is not a good thing in my life and being and accepting that first and then being like, okay, well, let's not wallow in it. Let's not let it poison things. Let me figure out how to turn it into something positive. And so actually you made a good point earlier when you were saying about the motivation. Like I really believe like when you want to do something, if you're driven to like pursue something positive, like it can't be rooted in something negative or poison because then you can't be proud of that end result because it was born out of something bad. At the same time, I don't think it's wrong to take the passion or the drive that you get sometimes from a negative experience and channeling that into something good. And it's like drawing that fine line of like, when have you let it take over your life and when have you controlled it into something good? Right, Mm -hmm. right. See, that's exactly what we're trying to address in this episode where it is really hard. And that's the thing where, you know, we really want to stress that these are just ways that we've have come mm-hmm. to deal with it and we were still learning, you know? It's more of us sharing that self-awareness of recognizing suppressed emotion mm-hmm. and how to get to that authentic place of being yeah. positive. I've learned, you know, things don't have to be so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> we're all different. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, the slate is wiped clean and I am completely free from all these chains that have, like, you know? <laughs> But... For me, I just realized the best I can do is to take things day by day, which seems like a very general sense of advice. Mm -hmm. But it's encompassing the fact that there'll be days where I'll realize, oh, shoot, this feeling that I'm feeling, I didn't completely resolve it. Like I thought I'm not completely over it. Yeah. Like I used to be so upset, right? The the dark Christina, I'd be like, oh, my God. (laughs) The world is so dark and so sad. Uh, And take things so personally, right? I just would keep wallowing in that because I just don't know how to get over it. But then I realized I have to figure out like where it's coming from. That's Mm -hmm. why a lot of these episodes, a lot of it, give me context because then you can kind of trace it back to where it came from and what you were thinking in that frame of mind and what you were telling yourself. So how you're punishing yourself or how you're getting positive reinforcement from it. So I would allow myself to feel what I'm feeling. If that day I'm like, oh shoot, it triggers something that I thought I was over and I feel anger, I feel resentment. I allow myself to feel that. then depending on how many days it takes me to get over it or not get over it but for me to really feel those feelings then I've come to a point well exactly what Mimi was saying how do I reframe my own mentality to address this in a positive way I say like me fighting with my dad suddenly oh my god me and my dad were so great we're gonna have the most positive father-daughter relationship it's like some days he'll do things that really make me upset and they'll trigger back to three years ago and it's like ah he's the same person have we not all grown and then (laughs) my life is a lie (laughs) no drama drama, right And then, I mean, those days where I'm reminded of certain things that haven't changed or maybe in my mind just really negative, I'm like, but you know what? It's a good reminder for me that in some ways we are still the same person, but in other ways he's trying and I am trying. And today this is what we can do. As an adult now and just through life experience, it is finding a way to how can we be better from it, right? Which ties in with this whole like Trump and like external life and all the chaos of what's happening. I have definitely like moments where I'm sure, I mean, I know you guys have as well, where you wake up to another horrifying news event Mm -hmm. and you're like, how can I go on with the rest of my day? There's some days where I'm like, I 
don't think I should post anything. Where before I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll, I want to post this photo. I'm excited about this. But then the reality is 22 people are dead because I don't even know, like this, I don't even know. Like I can't, I don't, I like, I even now, right. I don't know if I should call that person evil, demented, crazy. I don't think that those are the correct words to use, but that's where my mind goes to immediately. Right. But then another part of me is like, I'm not trying to justify absolutely not what this person has done, but then it's like, there is more to the story. And that's, he's also a human being that has Mm -hmm. been through his own life experiences. And this is our reality. So how can I go about my day tweeting and Instagramming like that hasn't happened? Mm -hmm. So finding that balance, right? I mean, I completely agree with Mimi where it's like, it brings to surface all the grime, all the nasty, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've have learned to ignore. Mm -hmm. We're just like, oh, if it's not happening in my face, then it's not happening in real life. And I think in that sense, we live in a fantasy like state. The thing about reality and what's happening now is that I'm so happy that people are speaking up mm-hmm. and we're getting to hear all the different voices and sides of the story that we never knew before. And I think that completely humanizes people that I had no idea that that's where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. Before, I think that's obviously the scary thing about stereotypes and watching the news and all of that. You're fed a certain perception of someone or a community, watching media, watching like movies and TV shows. And it's hard to have compassion or true empathy for someone because you've never been in their shoes and you don't know their full story. But I feel it's really allowing our minds to become more open to other people's emotions and thoughts. I don't know. Is that how you guys are processing what (laughs) the real world is is about now? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an interesting time right now where at once we are so connected, but we're still in the same trap of like being fed certain stories and self-selecting things that kind of reinforce our beliefs. Like I'm I'm curious how much more empathetic we truly are to people who we strongly disagree with versus like where I feel like we're definitely getting more empathetic for people that we do connect with and that we yeah. agree with. But I feel like because of social media and the way that we have to process things very quickly and there's like we give very serious situations the time of reading like a headline usually Mm -hmm. you know and um, I personally feel like we're losing a little sense of nuance things are very black and white in a lot of cases where it's like Harvey Weinstein is the devil and Trump is the devil and like everyone on that side is the devil and we're all angels but in this culture we are brought up so much to see in black and white and to not see gray area and to think of things as like good versus evil you know a lot of our stories to even you know superhero comics like the villains are very 2d they're very this guy is all bad and he needs to be killed by the hero who is 100 percent all good yeah but realizing that that's not how life is and that there's a lot of gray area would actually i think make us all authentically happier because i think the problem is when we think okay we have to be 100 percent good all the time 100 percent happy all the time 100 percent perfect all the time then i can call myself really happy Mm -hmm. otherwise i just feel like this resentment or like maybe a jealousy or feeling like i'm not enough and i think that's where a lot of sadness and anger comes from too to tie it back into news like i i really don't like the idea of like a woman can't say that she's been assaulted or hurt if she has anything dirty in her past you know she has to be a 100 angel for anyone to believe her Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. this is just not how the world works like we're more forgiving towards each other we can be more forgiving towards ourselves and better be able to deal with these suppressed bad feelings and then come out on the other end of being like okay now i understand what being truly happy is versus like 
I had to put on this sheen of being 100% happy from the get-go and never dealing with the unhappy or the dirtier parts. And only then can I count myself amongst the happy people. And it doesn't need to be that way. Oh, my yeah. God. That's I so know. good. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> what about you, Regina? Yeah, I mean, I think that I just think that Mimi just wrapped things up so eloquently. <laughs> like, I think it's really easy to just consume what we want to see. Yeah. I went to a taping of Trevor Noah's The Daily Show, which was oh, like incredible. <laughs> it was so amazing. But then I also walked out of it like, wow, he just told me everything that I wanted to hear. Yeah. Every joke that he made, it was like right mm-hmm. along what I believed in. And then it further continues to skew my perspective of things, right? And then you become more narrow-minded and close-minded, which is something that like I never want to be. But at the same time, the world is so tumultuous and the world is so, it's so upsetting. Like, you know, just last week, there was the driver who drove his car down the bike path oh, and no. like, you know, killed eight people. And then this week, it's this Texas shooting. And it's within a week of each other, but everybody's already forgotten about the New York event and everybody's focused on Texas now. Like, our brain is not wired to consume this much negative information so quickly and develop opinions on it and then tweet about it and then get our followers riled up about it. You know, it's just... Our influence is very, very powerful right now. And I and I do think that we need to look at the greater scheme of things. And sometimes it does mean taking ourselves out of the situation and looking at it from other people's perspectives. Yeah, I think I'm often reminded of Maya Angelou's quote where she says, we are all human, therefore nothing human can be alien to us. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, I was like, oh, that is so true, where... You see someone who's been convicted of murder and is on death row and you're like, I have nothing in common with this person. Mm -hmm. And you automatically have like, you should be condemned to death because you raped X amount of people Mm -hmm. and then you also killed someone and like, good, you're you're getting what you deserve. And quickly that person becomes a character where it's just like Mimi said, so evil. Mm -hmm. And when Maya Angelou explained it, it was like, you know, the only difference between you and that person is that you choose not to do those things. You're capable of murdering someone, even as women were capable of raping someone, but we're just choosing not to. And in that sense, we're all human. It's not like, oh, he was born with an evil gene or that he's of a different species or something. It's no, we are all human. We're all capable of doing that. Therefore, there could be a circumstance, who knows, where I'm put into a situation and I go crazy and I kill someone. Then does that negate everything that I've lived for and believed in as a person? That's the same thing as this person that murders someone. It's like, it's not justifying the bad, but then it's putting into context that we are all of the same human family. So it's helping me try to be more open-minded when I hear someone defend Trump or, I mean, honestly, don't get me started about the Harvey Weinstein thing. I am just so, (laughs) I I can't, like, so you see, like, there are a lot of things I'm still processing through and some things I have a knee-jerk reaction to be like, oh, oh my God, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's other ones where I'm trying to work through, like, okay, what does this mean in the bigger scheme? How can I work towards being part of the solution, not the issue? 
And it's never like a straightforward answer for everything. And all of this relates to suppressed emotions because of being confronted with our reality versus our ideal situation. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it's just like, oh, in society with racism and Trump and work, it's like, it could just be, oh, I thought going to Disneyland today would be amazing, you know, and it ended up being a really crappy day. Mm -hmm. And then some people let that ruin their entire week. All these experiences, whether it's as dramatic as me or sometimes it's just on a lighthearted end, it is paying attention to not just the negative experience, but how you're processing it in your head and what you're telling yourself in that situation. And it goes back to say Mimi at the time, her parents fighting and what she had to tell herself to be fine, quote unquote fine. And same thing with Regina with her friends and trying not to like rock the bow and trying to be positive. So all of this relates and plays out in many different ways. Even though I feel like we have addressed this, but I really want to wrap it up in like what advice would you have for people to reach a state of authentic positivity when everything around you is saying it's too difficult to be positive? And what are some practical tips that you can give? I think kind of I touched upon this earlier, but... I really believe that happiness is a mental state and I don't mean just like be on you know, happiness drugs and ignore all the bad things, but just learning how to see. A big thing that I've learned is, is more about learning how to be lost and how to accept that feeling and not feel like you're freaking out if you don't have all the answers, if you feel like you haven't dealt with all the issues yet that's okay. For me, I think it's perspective. It's like, I think everything, there is a pro and a con and it's up to you which one you want to focus on. If someone caused you to be late for a minute, like, are you going to focus on how that person ruined your day? Or is it like, well, maybe that person stopped me from, if I'd been there a minute sooner, something bad would happen. So it's like, you can literally turn any situation into a negative or a positive. And so if you want to be happy, I think it's, it's just an exercise of like, making that conscious choice. I've stared at doors that have closed for so long that I've missed ones that have opened. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true with opportunity, but also just life events. Dwelling on the negative and dwelling on things that make us unhappy is really unfair to the things that are good in our lives. And practicing that gratitude of, of seeing that there are a lot of things to be happy about. It makes me sad to think how many of us are unhappy or like to hear stories of how people feel really sad, even though they have all the material things mm -hmm. that you like, you should be happy. You have like a roof over your head, you have food, you have shelter. But what is it about our current culture that makes us so unhappy and I, I think some of it is rooted in that perception like I'm missing something and that's why I'm unhappy like happiness doesn't mean you have everything mm -hmm. so in terms of like practical tips I really believe in meditation and self-reflection and figuring out like a form of physical exercise that really makes you feel good about yourself and also just creating things within your control that bring you happiness. Like for me, that's art. Like that's something that I have control over, something that I really enjoy and that it's something that I can always look forward to. So if I'm having a bad day, like I know that I can count on something to to turn it around. Mm -hmm. And for each person, I think they have something like this. There's always something within your control that you can do right now to change your situation in a positive direction. Just to kind of add on to what you were saying about being happy, I think what I realized is that being happy does take work. Mm -hmm. I think as a child, it comes very easily. But you know, as you grow older, you learn more and then you're like, oh my God, the world is not as great as I think it is. 
but using that and finding the power behind that, right? Like now you have this knowledge. What are you going to do now that you know that this upsets you? Like, how are you going to speak out on something that means a lot to you? I think that that's something that is really powerful that comes with the negative side of things. The advice I would give, I mean, writing helps me a lot. I have a journal. I think that that's what helps me process and it makes me feel like they're tangible. October was like a huge transition month. There was so much going on. And so I didn't realize this until I actually wrote it down. Like I wrote, I am lonely. And then I looked at it and I was like, yeah, October was a really lonely month. And so I think that writing your feelings down and understanding yourself comes a lot of self-reflection, self-love, self-acceptance. And without that, happiness just becomes further and further out of reach. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I went to go visit you in October. <laughs> I know, and then it was downhill funny. from there. Like, oh, <laughs> you're here. It reminds me how lonely I really am. <laughs> Just go away. <laughs> what about you, Christine? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> for me, it's always a journey and I'm still learning so much. And I can recommend two books that have helped me tremendously. I probably have mentioned them before, but one of them is Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And that really speaks about ego. Like that's how we take everything personally. We feed into that ego. And it took me a good couple of reads to actually comprehend what he was saying because he speaks like such a spiritual person one with the mind <laughs> and one connecting to the sea and I was like what the hell is he talking about yeah but then other times when I really was processing it and I think you really have to be in that frame of mind to be like okay let me really try to marinate on what you're saying mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god I'm doing that I am mm -hmm. so doing that and there were many times while I was reading the book that I resolved a lot of issues with a lot of people because mm. I'm like, oh my God, I totally saw it this way from my perspective. Yeah. But after reading it, I'm like, oh, it has nothing to do with me, you know, or it forces me to address like, oh, that's how I'm feeding my ego. Mm. Oh, I feel like someone's not acknowledging how I'm being a good friend to them. Right. But then it's like, I need that validation to make me feel like a better person, right. but it's just feeding my ego. It doesn't make me a better person. Right. So it's things like that where reading that book kept me woke. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I was to say it like that. Yeah. Exactly what Eckhart Tolle was trying exactly, to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's the last line in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Stay woke. Stay woke. Stay woke. Yeah. And then uh, the other book is obviously Oprah Winfrey mm. about what I know for sure. And I think for me, it is giving context to someone like Oprah, who you think has it all together. You're just like, wow, she went through an awful, awful breakup as well. You know, she's been cheated on before she was raped. She had an abortion and even things that she's continuously learning and going through now as a successful mega guru of everything. Mm -hmm. And it really brings perspective into like, okay, well, if someone like Oprah is still figuring it out and still learning, then obviously I'm not so off track. Mm -hmm. And it gives me hope because it's like, okay, well, this is how she's still processing things, then I can also use the same techniques in that sense. So those two books have really helped in keeping my headspace in a more positive way, where I'm able to channel a more positive outlook on things. Keeps things in perspective is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And another thing that has really helped is surrounding myself with, I'm not going to say positive people but people that keep me in check that people who are really real with me who aren't afraid to say like wait a sec I know this is how you're feeling but perhaps 
is coming from this place or have you thought about it like this Mm -hmm. getting older I think I'm better able to pinpoint that trait in people and when I see that I'm like okay you're someone that I really want to develop that relationship with because please keep it real with me and it helps me stay self-aware of the energy that I'm giving off and keeps me in check I actually really like your point about cutting out negativity. Like on the one hand, you'd be like, I I should be able to turn anything into a positive, right? So I should be able to absorb all the toxicity possible and just turn it into magical gold. But I do think part of the process is realizing like we each as humans have limitations and that's nothing wrong with that. And to cut out negative influences is not to say like you hate those things. It's like you forgive those things too because you know that they have their own context and history that made it that way. But giving yourself the space that you don't also need to absorb it into your own life. Yeah. You know? So it's not neither a resentful action, but just more like trying to keep a healthy space around you yeah. without shielding your eyes to like what the reality is. But acknowledging, yeah, like taking toxicity out of your life is good for you too. Yeah. I think what I've come to realize is that the poison spreads. Like, you know, when you're around happy people, you tend to like your energy is lighter. And, mm-hmm. right? It's totally the same. Yeah. And it's the same with negative energy and I mirror that as well and in a way I resent that when someone puts their baggage and that the way they see life as half empty on me to me it's like I realize you can feel however you want to feel you can be that person you do you right but then what I realize is I'm contributing to that negativity Mm -hmm. because then I tend to wallow in that as well. And I contribute to the negative talks, the negative gossip. Mm -hmm. And then I realize that's not the type of person that I am. I don't want to spend my energy doing that. Mm -hmm. It is realizing as much as I don't want their negative energy to stick to me, I don't want to contribute that to them either. Mm -hmm. And I realize that I take that negative energy from that person and apply it to different people in my life Mm -hmm. because it stays with you. You feel heavier. Mm -hmm. And you kind of carry that weight with you and whoever you encounter, whether it's road rage or whether it's your significant other, it comes out in that way. Right. And then it makes it even more difficult for you to get over it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like all encompassing, all surrounding, and it really harms your mental state. Like being around the healthy mentality type of people makes such a huge difference. Like you want to believe that like you're your own person and you're not influenced by others, but it really does. And it really uplifts me to be around those people or hear from those people because I'm like, they can do it. I can do it too. Like. I've always admired like people who've suffered a lot, like lost limbs, lost family mm. members or lost everything. And yet they still radiate this like positive energy, not because they're in denial of what happened, but because they acknowledge what happened and they're like, there's still so much to be happy about. And I'm so thrilled to be alive. Yeah, like I yeah. love being around people like that and to channel that energy and like treat energy or your time as, as a valuable resource. Right. Yeah. 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 I realized that we have to actively make choices and recognize how we're contributing to our own negativity. And I didn't take ownership of that. I completely blame the circumstances. I completely blame the other person. Yeah. And then, right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, you did this to me. You're like this. And then I don't recognize that I'm taking that and doing it to somebody else. Yeah. Or even pushing back harder, right? right? So that's when being self-aware is so important. The biggest part of it is acknowledging your feelings. Mm -hmm. That's a step that you cannot Mm -hmm. skip to reach the positive. Once you do so, then you can really have a clear headspace to be like, where am I at? Why am I reacting this way? I am being negative right now. Mm -hmm. And then when you're able to face that for what it is versus like a denial sense of, no, 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 I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I'm great. You know, I'm fine then that's how you can make progress. Because if you're just lying to yourself, then there's no way that you can resolve it. So once you acknowledge it, then you can see how can I 
actively change how I am mentally processing and what I'm actually doing to contribute to this negative state of mind. Yeah. So thank you, Mimi, <laughs> so much for being here and shedding your light of wisdom. She's spreading her light and joy. And darkness. And darkness. <laughs> with a sprinkle so of darkness. <laughs> Thug life. Yeah. <laughs> So where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Mimo Chai. Also visit my website. It's www.mimochai.com. And you can see some of the story and illustration worlds that I'm building. Yay! And Christina's helping me with building too. So thank you. (laughs) So we'll link all of Mimi's information in the description box below. So make sure you go follow her so you get a little dose of magic and fairy happiness in your life. And if you'd like this episode, please go to iTunes, like, and subscribe. It means a lot to us when we see feedback from you guys. It also gives us better ideas of what we can talk about in the future. And if you found this topic helpful or if it's positively impacted you in any way, please feel free to share it with a friend. I think that in this political climate, these are really, really important conversations to have. And we're really, really thankful that Mimi came here to have it with us today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you both. Yay! Thank you. Yay! So we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye. Bye. Thug life. <laughs> Stay woke. <laughs>